Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerberg. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Awesome. So, Victorious, and uh, this morning's title specifically um, is uh, Victory Defined. So just a few opening questions is, who here wants to experience more victory in their life? If I raise a hand. Okay, good stuff. Some of you, some of you are already obviously uh, super victorious. You don't need more of that. Please rub your, uh, your victoriousness uh, off on us. Um, we want to experience more, more of, that, uh, of that victory um, that you are experiencing already. So uh, all of us, I think, if we're honest, we would, wa- we would say we want to experience more victory in our lives. And uh, none of us wants to really experience defeat. Defeat isn't fun. Like if you watch any sporting event, uh, the team that loses, it's not fun to lose. Even if they played the best games of their lives, like it's not fun. Uh, so there's, there's, there's something in victory that all of us desire, all of us wants to um, experience, wants to receive. Um, just hold on a second for me while I press record. We've been having uh, some, some difficulties with our recordings over the last few weeks. And I almost forgot to record on my phone now. So thank you, Holy Spirit, for reminding me. So uh, today we'll be defining victory specifically from the, the, the word's point of view, from the Bible, because uh, with anything in life, we've got expectations or we're building our expectations based on how we see things, how we perceive things. And the same with victory. If we don't define victory and if we don't look at it from God's point of view, from the Bible, uh, we're going to be sitting up with uh, some, some hope that is being deferred and it's just creating mess for us. Amen. It, uh, it's just creating a uh, sickness in our hearts. So we want to allow God's word to define reality for us so we can set ourselves up for victory and not defeat. So Romans chapter 8, let's go there. Romans chapter 8 verse 37. We'll be looking at a few different translations. Romans 8 verse 37. It says, No, despise all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. That's why the subtitle of this series, Victorious, is through Christ's love. That's where our victory lies, and we're going to get into that more this morning and defining this overwhelming victory. This word victory or overwhelming victory is, uh, in some translations, defined as conquerors. We are more than conquerors. But co- so the word conquerors and victory is kind of used interchangeably. So I've just uh, chosen the word victory um, uh, for this series, but victory and conquering is defined in the same way. And the Strong's uh, defines this for us, to vanquish beyond, that is gain a decisive victory, more than conquering. The Thayer's definition says, to be more than a conqueror, to gain a surpassing victory. So to gain a decisive victory or to gain a surpassing victory. So have we gained a decisive victory? Have we gained a surpassing victory? It's a good question to ask, right? Because the word says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours. A decisive victory is ours. A surpassing victory is ours through Christ Jesus who loved us. Now that's not enough for some of us this morning, obviously. Is the Bible true? Good stuff. So if we're not experiencing the truth of the Bible, it's not because the Bible isn't true. It's because there's something we might be missing. There's a focus or a misalignment that we might have in our hearts. And praise God, that's not a a form of condemnation. It's a liberation. It's freedom to know that because if we cling to what we know, but what we know is deception, 
or it's half a truth that cannot set us free because it's only the truth of Jesus Christ, who He is and what He made available to us that can set us free. And us coming to know that, to grasp that, to, to cling to that above anything else. So the, the degree to which you are experiencing today a surpassing victory or whether you are feeling like you're experiencing a, a surpassing or dis, uh, decisive victory is determined by your definition of victory. And so, how should we uh, define it? By the word standard, by what the word defines as victorious for us. So, let's look at John chapter 5. And so, a lot of this boils down to, and we've been revisiting uh, just the, the composition of the Bible. How should we approach the Bible? How do we study the Bible? Because if we don't understand that, if we don't have that foundation laid in our lives, whatever struggle or challenge we go through in life, we'll try and go and find a solution in the Bible that the Bible was never given in a sense. What do I mean by that? Uh, we've got this challenge at gym because uh, the, the friend we're gymming with is bench pressing 120 and we're only doing 80 kilograms and so we want to get to 120. And so you're like, Lord, give me strength. Lord, I, I, I've been working hard and I've been doing my diet, but I'm just like, I'm not breaking this 80 kilogram uh, mark. But uh, Pete next to me is doing 120 and uh, man, I want to get there. So Lord, give me a scripture. Okay, let's open up the Bible. Scriptures on strength, encouragement, endurance. Google and uh, first one popping up, uh, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen, because it's strengthening, right? The Word says strengthening me, so I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. So I'm going to stand on that. I'm even going to get a tattoo. Let's, let's just go all out and get a tattoo, Philippians 4.13, because I'm going to get to 120 uh, bench press. And we're all laughing, but at some point in time, I think all of us, if we're honest, we've uh, misused that passage of Scripture, and many other passages of Scripture. So praise God for humility. Praise God for, for uh, um, just the blessing and the gift of teaching in the body, body of Christ through the Holy Spirit to break down the Word for us and help us understand truth better. So we don't want to fall into that deception. So the Bible's got a specific aim, a specific message, and we want to understand that in light of victory, because all of us want to experience more victory in our lives. So we want to see what the Bible defines as victory and how do we walk in this. So John 5, 39 to 40 says, and Jesus is responding and he says, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me, yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. So another way that we can rephrase this is you search the Scriptures because you think they give you victory, but the Scriptures point to me, but you refuse to come me to receive this victory, right? So I'm just rephrasing or reusing the word life, and I'm aligning it to victory because it's one and the same thing. Victory as defined by the Bible. Then from the Passion Translation, it says it like this, um, 39 and 40, you are busy analyzing the scriptures, pouring over them, hoping to gain eternal life, hoping to gain some form of victory. Everything you read points to me. To who? Jesus. Yet you still refuse to come to me so that I can give you this victory you're looking for, an eternal victory. So what is Jesus saying? He says that you are going to the Bible the Bible of their time, which was the Scriptures, Genesis to Malachi. You search the Scriptures, the Bible, your Bible. You go there because you, you're hoping that they're going to give you something that you're hoping for, that you're looking for. 
But you're missing the point. The point is Jesus. The point was Jesus. The point is Jesus. And the point will always be Jesus. So if we go to the Bible and we're going looking for anything other than Jesus, we're missing the plot. We're missing the point, And we're setting ourselves up for defeat. Misdirected hope or expectations only lead to disappointment. Our hopes and expectations need to point to Jesus. Luke chapter 24, laboring the same point here, Jesus said to them, Why are you so thick-headed? Imagine that, Jesus asking you, Why are you so thick-headed? So if Jesus asked that question, am I allowed to ask that question to you? What would Jesus do? Other translations say, uh, oh, you fools. Imagine Jesus making that statement. Oftentimes, you just kind of think that Jesus was this kind of guy who just kind of blew uh, uh, um, fragrance bubbles around, like uh, there's uh, toy bubbles, and he was just kind of, there's this uh, music of a harp playing behind him the whole time. <laughs> Obviously, that, that wasn't, we've got wrong views and perceptions of Jesus and and in the greater scheme of things. And yeah, Jesus makes a statement, and he's making a statement, and oftentimes, as ministers and teachers, we make certain statements to, to carry across a point, to, to almost shock you. Because otherwise, some of you are sitting in church, and you're like, kind of like just jumping to your own conclusions, making assumptions, falling asleep because the heaters are kind of creating that daze and the heat and all of that. And so sometimes we need to make some radical statements in order for you to wake up and question what you believe. If what we believe can't get rocked, it should get rocked. If the boat that you're living in, in the sense of a belief system, if that boat can get rocked, it should get rocked. And so we want to rock the boat, not for the sake of rocking the boat, but for the sake of truth and seeking truth. And so we, that's, that's a valuable uh, part of this ministry is seeking truth. And for us to, to be on this journey of discovering truth, seeking truth with one another. And that's why one of the, the, the values that we have as a ministry is to, to feast together on the Word, to get into the Word together. And uh, so I want to encourage you, make, make some, uh, some points, what stands out for you from the Word, and afterwards discuss it with one another. Share some of those things. When you get together for life group or coffee in the week, uh, share together what, what's the Holy Spirit illuminating to you in your heart. And by you sharing with someone else, they might be getting something that I didn't get to because... I use about 40 minutes, sometimes a little bit longer in the morning to, to teach a specific word. And so there's a whole bunch that I don't get into that by you making notes and sharing with someone else afterwards, you're getting more out of the word. Amen? So let's be intentional about that as well. So he says, why are you so thick-headed? Why do you find it so hard to believe every word the prophets have spoken? Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to experience all these sufferings and afterwards to enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses, what is that? It's not uh, the, the, the person Moses, but the writings of Moses, the first five books. Moses and all of the prophets, he carefully unveiled to them the revelation of himself through the scriptures. So why did Jesus unveil to them? The revelation of himself through the scriptures. So he went to their Bible and he pointed and revealed to them what it was talking about. Verse 45, jumping down, same chapter, verse 45 and 47. Then he opened their understanding. What did he do? 
opened their understanding. So their understanding wasn't open. They didn't understand something. And he opened their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the third day, rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. So this is awesome. So again, we see here Jesus using the Scriptures, and He doesn't just open up their understanding to show them that the Scriptures pointed to Him, but He also showed them what that specifically meant. The message of the Gospel, forgiveness of sins, a new life, God's Spirit living in you and through you. And that this message, yes, the discipleship invitation, that this message should be preached in His name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. This message, not the message that God has given you in a dream. Not the message that you fill in the blank. There's different ministries out here, and it's the ministry of this and the ministry of that. And a lot of those ministries aren't, doesn't have anything to do with Jesus' message. Jesus had a specific message. And he defines it beautifully and clearly here for us. Verse 46 again. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. So again, this beautiful invitation to go into all of the nations. And yes, you want to start in your hometown. You want to start where you're at. And as you're doing that, God might be stirring something in your heart to go elsewhere. And that's good. And that's encouraged by us as a ministry. Because some of us will stay like with the Belgian mission trip coming up, like with the guys doing boot camp, some of us will stay, but some of us will go. And we might be sad for a season for them going, but if them going means more fruit, more gain for the kingdom, who are we to keep them? Amen? So this is a specific message, and this is the message of the Bible. But Jesus used the Scriptures, used the Bible of their day to point people to Him. Today we've got the Gospels, we've got Acts, we've got the Epistles, and they're giving us a, a full revelation of God's plan from the beginning of time. Colossians 1 shows us beautifully to us one of Paul's epistles to the church of Colossae. And it says, Colossians 1, 26-29, There's a divine mystery, a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations. But now it's been revealed. Say revealed. 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 So it's uh, unveiled, right? It's no longer a, a secret. It's no longer concealed. It's been revealed, unfolded, and manifested for every holy believer to experience. So for who is it to experience? Every holy believer, every person on earth who's responded to Christ, who's opened up their heart to know God. Verse uh, 27, living within you is the Christ to flood you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest uh, um, of hope filled with the riches of glory for His people. And God wants everyone to know it. Who does God want to know it? Everyone. So is there someone in your life who doesn't know it? Pause for a moment. Is there someone in your life who doesn't know this? That's why we have the Good News Campaign and we've uh, given out the hitless cards. We've got more cards if you want a physical card. If you want the digital copy, then uh, just uh, ask us for that. And uh, we prayed for hitless this morning in the prayer time as well. And so... I know, you don't, have to, uh, you don't have to know, I know that there are people in your life who doesn't know this. It's an easy kind of uh, um, guesstimation. 
There are people in your life who doesn't know this. And God's desire is for everyone to know it. Let's ask ourselves for this moment. Could God want to reveal himself through me to those people? Could God? Do you think, like, is there a percentage? Like, let's just, is there a percentage that God would want to and could reveal himself to those people around you through you? Okay, if you were doubting, I'm going to just clear up the doubt. Yes, God wants to. God wants to reveal himself through you to those people. And it's not, a, it's not a burden, and it's not a heavy that we need to carry. But as Marna shared beautifully this morning, as we respond to God's love, as we respond to His grace, to His mercies, as we come to know Him as Father, the apple will not fall far from the tree. As we come to know Him as Father, we will be like Father, like Son, like Father, like Daughter. And so the, 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 the Christian life and the life that God has invited us into living is not a life of do's and don'ts. It's a life of believing, believing that he is good, believing that he is faithful, believing that he made a plan where there was no plan. He made a way where it was impossible for us to be united with God, to be in perfect right standing with him, and for us to be empowered to live out his purposes here on earth, to preach the gospel, to set at liberty those who are bound, to heal the sick, and to do amazing things in his name. And so if you bored as a Christian, it's your fault. A good word is a challenging word. If you're bored as a Christian in this life, it's your fault. And yes, I might be entertaining on Sundays and we might have a laugh and you might get offended at me and that could be entertainment for you in some way or form. But um, if we're bored in this life, it's not God's fault. It's not the pastor's fault. It's not the church's fault. It's your fault because there's so much that God has invited us into, each one of us. No one is uh, put on the bench. God, God, God doesn't work like in, on the playground in, uh, in primary school or at some point in life where there's teams being selected. God doesn't pick one, two, three, four, and then five, and then the last person feels like, man, they're just, they're just a loser. Why did they come? That's not, that's not God's kingdom. God selects once. Go. You're all selected. Join the team. Join the family. Let's go. Let's go together. So we, God wants everyone to know it. Verse 29, 8 to 29. Christ is our message. What is our message? Christ is our message. We don't have a right or authority to preach any other message, guys. If you think about uh, um, government and uh, government officials, um, law enforcement. Oh, Michael. <laughs> law enforcement. Uh, I don't know if there's any other law enforcers uh, in the room this morning, well, Michael is a blessing. Uh, we thank you for your service and uh, what you're doing for, uh, for the country. And uh, when it comes to law enforcement, when well, Michael, for example, he only gets to enforce the laws that are written, that are there to enforce, right? He's not allowed to do anything other outside of the law, outside of his governing authority. And so the same with us. We've been given a message. We've been given a governing authority. And oftentimes we want to operate outside of that and we're not seeing fruitfulness and we're becoming frustrated. We're believing for things that wasn't asked to believe for. We're trying to name it and claim it and we're becoming frustrated and we're not having an impact on the people around us because we're these flaky Christians. Present company excluded. Now if you're a flaky Christian, just repent, change your belief, put your eyes on Christ, allow Him to reveal Himself to you, 
and let's become fruitful as God is fruitful. Christ is our message. We preach to awaken hearts and bring every person into the full understanding of truth. So again, the, 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 the desire is for us to, to preach the message of Christ and to awaken hearts and every person to come to this understanding of truth, to this mystery that has been revealed, to this mystery that has been made known to us. It has become my passion, my inspiration and in ministry to labor with a tireless intensity with His power flowing through me to present to every believer the revelation of being His perfect one in Jesus Christ. So again, the, 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 the message of Christ, the, the gospel, the message of the Bible is summarized in here. And Paul's heart's desire is being communicated here that he's laboring with tireless intensity. I can testify for our amazing uh, founding leaders, Marna and Shane. Uh, Shane has run off because I obviously said something that offended him. Uh, and I'm just joking. Uh, he'll be back in a moment. If you guys haven't met Shane and Marna, um, uh, please uh, go and introduce yourselves to them. But we've got amazing leaders within this ministry and uh, who labors with tireless intensity. As Paul labored with tireless intensity to make this message known, to help people come to understand this message of Christ, how we are His perfect ones, how we are perfectly one with Him, and that He wants this world to know it. So again, coming back to this question, so what is the decisive, surpassing victory we have? You can read Romans 8 verse 37 from the Passion Translation. Yet even in the midst of all these things, and we'll get into all of these things, but just to quickly uh, um, mention a few, uh, Paul mentions a few things, hardships and uh, difficulties that he was uh, challenged with, that he was faced with. And um, he says, yet in all these things, amidst all of these things, we triumph. Over them all. For God has made us to be more than conquerors, and His demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. Jesus conquered, we are more than conquerors. And I love this, uh, this illustration. It's that of a, uh, um, a boxing match. Um, if you've got a boxing match, two guys fighting. I know nowadays there's uh, also girls fighting, and um, that's a different story. So guys are fighting. And uh, just imagine this for a moment, the, the, the fighters go into the ring, they're fighting uh, their, their few rounds, and one KOs the other one, knocks him out, and then he is uh, declared the champion, right? And uh, his uh, hand is lifted in the air, he gets the, the belt, heavyweight champion of the world, and he gets this amazing check. A lot of money nowadays, like uh, what these guys are getting paid. And then he gets out of the ring, and his amazing, beautiful wife greets him, and uh, takes the check from him and says, thank you very much, uh, let's go shopping. He conquered, she's more than a conqueror. Uh, she didn't have to go through the battle, she didn't need to go through the training, she didn't need to go through the, 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 the blood, the, the sweat or anything like that. Maybe some tears because he got knocked a little bit, I'm sure. Um, but the point is this, being more than a conqueror is in light of what Jesus accomplished for us. It's specific. It's in light of Jesus' victory over death, Jesus' victory over sin, sin, Jesus making a way where there was no way. God did something. What was that? He, he did what He did through a demonstrated love. That demonstrated love is our glorious victory. What was that demonstrated love? Jesus. That is our victory. That is the victory that we stand on. That is the victory that cannot be taken away from us. Everything and anything in this life can be lost 
at a blink. And it's not to live in fear. It's not to live in a place of not caring because let's not get attached because it can go away in the eye of a blink. No, that's not the, 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 the desire of God in this message. That's not my desire to carry a cross in this message. It's to enjoy what God has given us. It's to enjoy nature. It's to enjoy family. It's to enjoy all of these things in light of the mission to live out the gospel of Christ, to make it known to the world. But Jesus demonstrated his love for us, and that is our victory. That is the victory that we get to stand on. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The amazing thing with this, this victory again is, I know oftentimes we, we're trusting for different things, and it's good, whether it's health-related, whether it's um, just family strife and things like that, and we, we're trusting for, for breakthrough, and it's awesome. Trust for breakthrough, but oftentimes, and we'll get into this in the, in the, the, the rest of the series, oftentimes we, we're focusing on things that we shouldn't be focusing on, and as we just focus on that which we should, which is Christ, and living out our purpose and calling you on this life, those problems just kind of align themselves. As for example, uh, I heard of someone recently had some, some body aches and pains in their body, and uh, they went to see a physio, and after spending some time with the physio, they kind of made it known to them that if you just do these few different things, and you look after your body and your posture, and you do some stretches, you will have none of these problems that you're paying me now a lot of money for to fix in the moment. But these problems will come back if you do not look after your body. And so by us focusing on the main thing, seeking first God's kingdom, all of these other things will just be aligned. And if they're not aligned, they won't distract us. They won't throw us off course. Because we're running fully persuaded, by, uh, in, in full persuasion, the race that God has set before us. 1 Corinthians 15, 54-58. And when that which is mortal puts on immortality and what now decays is exchanged for what will never decay, then the scripture will be fulfilled that says, death is swallowed up by triumphant victory. So death, tell me, where's your victory? Tell me, death, where's your sting? It is sin that gives death its sting and the law that gives sin its power. But we thank God for giving us the victory as conquerors through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. So now, beloved ones, stand firm, stable, and enduring. Live your lives with unshakable confidence. We know that we prosper and excel in every season by serving the Lord, because we are assured that our union with the Lord makes our labor productive with fruit that endures. Jesus came to die and overcome death for us. So even in death, we do not die. Even in death, we aren't defeated. That needs to sink in because we... we we're living such in the moment, here on earth, carnal lives that that truth doesn't strike a chord in our hearts. Even in death, we win. Can I get one amen? amen. Wow, that's a lot. Thanks, guys. Even if we die, we still overcome death. Death is not something to be feared for the believer. I can't remember how old I was when, when this... Because I know some, some children grow up and maybe some of you have feared death in your, in your life. And maybe even today you, you're fearing death for, for a number of reasons. But like I was, I, d I don't even know if I've ever heard the Bible. And this, 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 this truth just dawned on me. Like that if I die, like I don't need to be afraid of dying. 
It's, it's bizarre. It's obviously the Holy Spirit that has uh, ministered to me and uh, whether it was people praying for me, I don't know. But it, it's, this is amazing truth that, that will set us up to live lives because fear of anything will deter us from doing what we are called to do. Fear of the mission field, for example, will deter you from living out your purpose, living a fully satisfied life. Fear of man, we see this often throughout the word. The fear of man is a snare. It will hinder you from stepping out and living the life that God has called you to live. And so Jesus overcame the, the greatest thing, if we think about it, to probably fear, death itself. Jesus overcame that. So that we too, even if we die, we still overcome. We are still victorious. Are you enjoying this victory that we're talking about? Are we enjoying the victory of Christ and what He accomplished for us. If we'd have to answer a questionnaire right now uh, on the topic of, of victory and, and reigning victorious, being more than overcomers, would the questionnaire at the end of the day, would the results say, you've passed. Your life is a life that is depicting victorious, reigning, more than overcomer. And oftentimes the, the proof is in the pudding, when you're going through good times and you're getting a good paycheck and all of your relationships are good and you've got good friends and you've got a cupboard full of nice clothes and you've got all of the, the boxes ticked, it's difficult to really like be persuaded that you believe what you believe. But when the pawpaw eats the fan and uh, life squeezes you, what is on the inside is going to come out. And so obviously my prayer for you is not to be squeezed if you haven't been squeezed. My prayer for you is not for your pawpaw to eat the fan. But we need to set ourselves up for that when that comes, because Jesus said it will come. You will have persecution in this life. You will have trouble. But be of good courage, because I've overcome. Jesus accomplished victory for us. The greatest victory that has ever been recorded in the history of time. And that's the victory over death. And what that means for us today, God's Spirit living in us. Us living in a relationship with God that is intended to be without guilt, shame, or fear, or condemnation. But whether that is your relationship with God is not up to me, it's not up to God. It's up to you getting into the Word, establishing yourself in the truth of the Word, laying those foundations so that you can experience the truth that the Word has already made available to us. The victory is sealed. It's a done deal. The question is, do you believe it? Are you living in it? In closing, Philippians chapter 1, verse 19 to 20 from the, or 21 from the message translation. Through your faithful prayers and the generous response of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, everything He wants to do in and through me will be done. I can hardly wait to continue on my course. I don't expect to be embarrassed in the least. On the contrary, everything happening to me in this jail, where? Not in the comfort of the hotel room, not in the comfort of church, not in the comfort of a nice setting, nice food on the table, a lot of people liking you, patting you on the back for running your race with, with endurance and like, good job, good message preached in jail. All happening to me in this jail only serves to make Christ more accurately known, regardless of whether I live or die. They didn't shut me up. They gave me a platform. 
Alive, I'm Christ's messenger. Dead, I'm his prize. Life versus even more life, I can't lose. Again, truth. But whether it's your truth or not is up to you. It's not up to me. It's not up to how well I get you stirred up. It's not up to, to God to make this more real to you. Because you're the custodian of your heart. You're the guardian of your heart. Needing to tend to your heart, opening it up, allowing God to reveal himself to you. Make the word known to you. The truth of his word to come alive to you. Why did everything that happened to Paul in jail serve to make Christ more accurately known? Not because God threw hardship at him, not because God used it to make Christ known. Because all of us probably know someone who's gone through hardships or difficulty and they didn't make Christ known through that, did they? So it's not a given. That's not how God works. That's not how he operates. But how God can operate is by you yielding to and being found in and rooted in the truth of the word so that when you go through hardship, troubles, or tribulation, your mindset and your life can be fixed on him. And you can continue running your race even though you're going through a difficult time. I praise God for his spirit in me and I'm going to be humble and it's going to sound like like pride. Um, But the Holy Spirit can reveal to you that... uh, uh, whether it's humility or pride, but I praise God for the foundation that I've laid in my life and that I've allowed to be laid in my life through leaders, through the Word, through my brother's passing in in uh, uh, end of March, that I was able to continue running my race. Yes, there was maybe a pause on things administratively and all of that, and uh, spending time with family and ministering to family, but I praise God that that could that has been my testimony. And yes, there's still moments of sadness and missing my brother and, and um, all of those things, but I praise God that I'm continuing running his race, continuing being a minister and ambassador of Christ, knowing that death is not the end. They didn't shut me up. They gave me a platform. Alive, I'm Christ's messenger. Dead, I'm his prize. Live versus even more life. I can't lose. You don't need a pulpit, guys. You don't need a mic. If you're breathing, you've got a ministry. Wherever you are, You've got a platform. Your life is your platform. Stop waiting for Mike. Stop waiting for platform. Stop waiting for ministry opportunity. Every one of us have got the same opportunities. Let's take them. Let's use them. Let's not despise or diminish every small opportunity that comes our way. Because it's in every seed that lies the opportunity of a whole, I used this illustration a while back, with every apple seed, it carries the potential to become a tree that buries or that, that bears much more fruit. And all of those apples and the seed therein can produce a whole farm, a whole orchard of apple trees. Oh shit. Man, that one always gets me. <laughs> man, oh man. Always. And so it's amazing to just, just consider that. One seed, one seed, the possibilities are endless. Let's not diminish and despise that. Life versus even more life. I cannot lose. Are we living in this reality? Is this our truth that we're living in? Victoria's living is for us all to enjoy. Not just one day when we die, but right now here on earth. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Tigerberg area, We invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. 
Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca